Today on Blue 58, the Packers have a big test on Sunday, and how they perform is going to say a lot about their playoff hopes. Will the Packers rise to the challenge presented by the Indianapolis Colts or find themselves still searching for an identity? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. And it feels like we finally have a preview here where we can get our uh, arms around something. Most of the last month has been a little bit iffy in terms of the quality of opponents, and a lot of it is, is boiled down to what it says about the Packers. Now we've got a good two-sided preview. On the one hand, you've got the Colts coming in at 6-3. and three by all accounts, a quality team in many different ways, many of which we will cover on this very show. The other side, you have the Packers, who have been the focus in their own unique way of every one of the shows that we've done, as far as previews go, over the last month or so. The thesis on a lot of those previews has been that every game is going to teach us more about the Packers than we're really going to ever learn or really need to learn about the opposing team. The opposing team is either too much of a mystery to really know much about them in the form of like the Houston Texans who were coming in in a very unusual situation, or they're just so beat up or so bad, the 49ers and Jaguars, that it really doesn't matter what the other team does. The Packers just have to take care of business. Now you've got somebody who's in the same tier among NFL contenders as the Packers. At least, that's the thinking. And I really haven't found anything about the Colts to change my opinion there. So that gives us a good litmus test here. The Packers have an opponent that is, first and foremost, good, but secondly, constructed in a way that is going to tell us some things about the Packers, too. This is a real hurdle for the Packers. And how they perform, I think, is going to go a long way, for me at least, towards either alleviating some concerns I have about this team or concerning or confirming a few of the concerns that we have about this team. The Packers in the Lafleur era have lost, generally speaking, to a pretty specific kind of team. They have five losses in the Lafleur era. Six of them, I guess three in the regular season last year, one in the playoffs, and two this year. And three of those losses have come to the Chargers, 49ers, and Buccaneers. And all of them are constructed fairly similarly. Athletic fronts, athletic linebackers, they get out of the get after the Packers, force them out of that microchip fancy pocket watch, perfectly executed, intricate moving parts offense, and start taking things away from them. And the Packers in many of those games, well, in all of those games, since we're talking about those losses, haven't really responded. And the Packers haven't really shown an ability to get over the hump against that kind of team. They have beaten good defenses before. Not a lot of them, but they have beaten some of them. The Saints earlier this year are a good example. The Bears have had respectable defenses. The Vikings have had good defenses a couple of times that they've played uh, them under under LeFleur. But generally speaking, that sort of athletic front, fast inside linebacker defense has given the LeFleur era Packers problems. 
how the Packers fare against the Colts are going to tell us, is going to tell us a lot about what they stand to do in the playoffs. Because the biggest test in the playoffs isn't going to be against a team like the Seahawks. If you get in a shootout with the Seahawks, that's fine. All right? You'll either win because Aaron Rodgers has a great game or lose because your defense can slow him down just enough. I would rather lose that way than face a team like the Buccaneers and just get bullied around the, the field. That sort of bully defense is what the Packers are going to be playing on Sunday. We'll talk about that defense here in a second, but as we start talking about the Colts, let's talk about their offense against the Packers' defense. Starting with the quarterback, Philip Rivers. His age and his number of kids are about the same, 39. Ha ha ha, very funny. Philip Rivers comes over to the Colts after 35 years with the San Diego, then Los Angeles Chargers. Almost just with, went with San Diego there. And has given them something they haven't had since Andrew Luck started having his injury issues. Stability. Has he been good? Well, not great. The raw numbers are not spectacular. 2,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. He's completing just over 68% of his passes. The advanced numbers put him pretty much in the middle of the pack, too. 16th by defense-adjusted yards above replacement. 17th by DVOA. But he's been adequate. And you can win with adequate. Specifically, particularly, with how the Colts play offense and how they play defense. A further question about Rivers, has he been the historical Philip Rivers? Not quite, but pretty much. Statistically, he's not putting up the big numbers he did during his prime in San Diego. But statistically, he looks a lot like a guy who's being asked to do very little, but doing it pretty efficiently. The raw numbers don't look great. Those seven picks look pretty bad, but four of those seven came in two games. Generally, he's kept it under control. His interception percentage is basically in line with what he's been done before. He's just not being asked to do all that much. So what is he doing, though? He's going short, for one. His average throw depth is 6.8 yards so far this year. This is that seventh shortest among quarterbacks in the NFL with more than 150 attempts. His previous low, 2015 to present, is 7.2 yards. No other season in that stretch has been lower than 7.8. He is also on pace to have his highest number of passes behind the line of scrimmage since 2015. So he's going short. As a result, he's throwing more catchable balls. 76.7% of his passes have been catchable this year. That is his second highest figure since 2015. All these numbers according to Sports Information Solutions. He is also, and perhaps most importantly, next to avoiding turnovers, avoiding sacks. This is not necessarily a big play offense. This is an efficient offense, moving the ball in smaller chunks down the field. So avoiding sacks is going to be hugely important. And part of that is their offensive line, which is magnificent. We'll talk about that in a second. But among quarterbacks who have been sacked at least once this year, he has the second lowest sack rate. Just 2.5% of his dropbacks have resulted in sacks so far this year. And sacks are largely a quarterback-driven stat. Most of the sacks can be attributed to a quarterback. So where are the Colts strong on offense? Statistically, not really anywhere. Overall, they're pretty much middling about everywhere on offense. 18th by DVOA rushing, 20th for passing. 
They are strong on the offensive line, though. They are eighth in sack rate, according to Football Outsiders. They're on the plus side of just about everything else. In ESPN's pass block win rate stat, they are fourth. Quentin Nelson, their amazing guard, is fourth among guards. Their center, Ryan Kelly, is eighth among centers in that stat. Run block win rate as a team, they are eighth. Quentin Nelson up there in the top five again, second among guards. He is excellent. And watching him go against Kenny Clark this year or this week is going to be, well, worth the price of admission. And if you're watching on Fox, that price is nothing. So bonus for you. Where are the Colts vulnerable then? Really, not anywhere. They're pretty well-rounded. They're not going to blow you out of the water anywhere. And if they do have a weakness, it's that. They're not just overpowering anywhere. They're not the Packers where if Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams get cooking, good luck. They don't quite have that kind of individual player or pair of players or group of players that really just gets going and watch out if they do. But with a defense as strong as theirs, that doesn't necessarily matter. Don't screw it up on offense is a legitimate strategy. And the Colts, for their trouble, have scored 30 points in three of their last four games. Now, some of that comes on defense. They had a punt block touchdown last week, but still, still, The scoreboard says 30-plus three of the last four weeks. And they've done a pretty good job taking care of business when they need to so far this year. If the Packers want to sit back and just say, we're going to play conservative defense, I don't think that's going to do it against Rivers. They tried that last year in Los Angeles. He ate them up. And multiple Packers this week have talked about how good Phillip Rivers is at pre-snap reads. And he ought to be. He's played in like 233 straight games. He's seen everything there is to see in the NFL. There's not a whole lot you're going to throw at Phillip Rivers that is going to surprise him. Say what you will about him overall. You can have a variety of opinions that I think are legit about Phillip Rivers, about where he rates all time, um, so on and so forth. But the guy's played 17 seasons worth of NFL football. That counts for something, right? He's not just a bum. He's been good enough and healthy enough to stick around that long. He knows a thing or two about playing quarterback. You're going to have to be a little bit more aggressive this week. The good news is, chances are, the Colts aren't just going to gouge you if you do get a little bit aggressive. Find a way to balance aggressiveness with with avoiding giving up chunk plays and he might have a recipe for success there. One more guy I want to talk about on the Colts offense is Michael Pittman. Their big rookie wide receiver taken at the top of the second round. Boy, right in my wide receiver wanting heart. So Michael Pittman was the guy for me. Almost really wanted to get on the the soapbox for Chase Claypool, but Michael Pittman was the guy I wanted at the end of the first round. Talking back to, or looking back to the Packers preview podcast, the Packers draft preview podcast, my top three guys among skill positions were Michael Pittman, Justin Jefferson, and Brandon Ayuk. Looking at the the intersection of what the Packers typically look for at wide receiver and where I thought the value would be. Just straight up, I would have taken Jefferson and then Ayuk and then Pittman. But 
Picking at 30th, I thought Pittman was going to be there. And my exact recommendation at the time was keep trading down until the receiver you can get matches the value that you think he's worth. Well, instead, the Packers traded up and took a quarterback. But in theory, we were right about at least one thing. Michael Pittman went right about in the range where I thought he would. He would have been on the board at 30. Went 34th overall to the Colts. So far this year, he's got 21 catches on 236, or 21 catches for 236 yards in six games, and he just screams Brian Gutekunst wide receiver. Six foot four, 223 pounds, four five in the 40. Agility number is not great, but another big bodied receiver with the, uh, with decent enough vertical speed, you can picture him playing the uh, Alan Lazard type role. I'll be interested to see what he does against the Packers on Sunday. What about on defense? Where are the Colts strong there? Lots of places, in fact. They're pretty good overall. In fact, I think you could call them an elite defense. They're fourth by DVOA versus the pass, fourth against the run, strong at every level. DeForest Buckner, good defensive lineman, great defensive lineman, Darius Leonard, great linebacker. Xavier Rhodes kind of having a bounce back here as a corner. So really, no screaming vulnerabilities, at least from a personnel perspective. If they are vulnerable anywhere, it might be going deep. Here's what my colleague Paul Noonan wrote at Agni Packing Company about the Colts' defense this week. thought this was interesting. Quote, like the Bucks and 49ers, the Colts want you to throw short. They will pick the ball off if you're not careful, but they're not reliant on it, and 41% of their defensive drives end in punts, which is second best in the league. Throwing short and running the ball will lead to kicking. Throwing deep will lead to touchdowns. The best corner on the Colts, according to Pro Football Focus, is Xavier Rhodes. He's having a comeback season, and when targeted in the short and medium, he has been especially good. But Rhodes is 30, and he has clearly lost a step. When targeted deep left, the Colts have a 39.6% DVOA, not a good number, as positive numbers always favor the offense. Deep right is slightly better. They're excellent in the middle of the field, thanks to safeties Julian Blackman and Tavon Wilson, excuse me. but deep outside, they are vulnerable. Now, that would be really good news, and we are out of Paul's piece now. This is back to me. That would be really good news if the Packers had a full complement of healthy wide receivers, but it's looking pretty iffy at the top end right now. Devontae Adams did not practice today, Thursday, and that's generally not a good sign if you're looking to get somebody out on the field on Sunday. Alan Lazard is back on the active roster, but I wouldn't count on him for a whole lot in his first game back from core muscle surgery. That leaves Marquez Valdez-Scantling and kind of the island of misfit toys beyond that. There is a lot to like about some of those players on an individual level as a group. I'm not overly excited about Equinemius St. Brown, Darius Shepard, and Juwan Winfrey. I think that's a fairly reasonable position given what we've seen so far from them this season. So who should we know about on the Colts' defense? Talk to Chris Blystone of Stampede Blue uh, for some of my responsibilities at Acme Packing Company this week. You can check out our two-part interview at acmepackingcompany.com. I unfortunately am going to be super busy Friday and will not have time to link this at thepowersweep.com, but check it out there. You can also join the Acme Packing Company Discord uh, if you haven't already. That's a fun time. Get to interact with some of the writers there and stuff like that. But 
Uh, Chris said, when I asked him who we should know about, gave us a couple names. He mentioned, like Paul did, rookie safety Julian Blackman. He says that's the first name that comes to mind. He's not quite a year removed from the torn ACL, a torn ACL, and wasn't expected to be a factor much, if at all, this season. However, he recovered absurdly quickly when Malik Hooker went down with a ruptured Achilles. He came in and provided an immediate impact. In seven starts, he has two picks, six passes defended, and two tackles for a loss. Another name you absolutely should know is Bobby Okerke. His name gets lost in the shuffle with Darius Leonard on the scene, but the young athletic linebacker is every bit the athlete that Leonard is and perhaps a more disciplined player. Don't be surprised if you see lots of number 58 on Sunday. So there's two names for you to watch. In terms of production ratio and ball hawks, pretty deep bench for this Colts defense. They have five guys with a PR of uh, 0.7 plus. That's pretty darn good. Danico Autry leads the way with 1.44. Tyquan Lewis, Justin Houston, DeForest Buckner, and Darius Leonard are all in the top five beyond that. Ballhawks, four guys with eight plus. Xavier Rhodes leads the way with 12. Kenny Morris, 10. And Julian Blackman and TJ Carey have eight apiece. Making plays on the ball, getting to the quarterback. This Colts defense is legit. Last time the Packers and Colts played was all the way back in 2016. This was a weird game in a lot of ways. The Colts end up winning despite a somewhat heroic rally by the Packers. This was the second game the Packers lost in a four-game losing streak in the middle of 2016. Packers led for exactly zero minutes and zero seconds in this game. In fact, this game was tied for a grand total of 13 seconds, and those 13 seconds were all it took for the Colts to return the opening kickoff for a touchdown. They never looked back. They were up 7 to nothing with 14.47 to go in the first quarter. Rough game for the Packers. Maybe the statistical peak, though, for HaHa Clinton Dix. He had two picks and a half a sack. Both of those picks just kind of overthrown balloon balls by Andrew Luck. Remember Don Jackson? He played in this game. Jeff Janis, 44% of the offensive plays he was on the field for. Packers running full 11 personnel in this game just about all the time. And we were, of course, right in the middle of the Ladarius Gunter era as well. He played 100% of the snaps, which should tell you just about everything you need to know about the 2016 Packers defense. It was Gunter that T.Y. Hilton beat on third and two with 227 left. And that was the play that caused me to yell, they have one receiver in the middle of the Detroit airport as I was on my way back from a work conference. That was a bit of a rough, rough weekend. And that's how that game ended. So what's going to happen in this one? Despite my overall optimism about the Packers, I think the Colts are going to win a close one. And I have to, I feel like I have to make that pick because of what we've seen from the Packers in the LeFleur era in games like this. The Packers first and foremost, have not shown that they can beat a defense like the Colts. Athletic front, super athlete linebackers, take away the wide zone, get you out of your game plan early, type defenses. Packers haven't played a lot of them, and when they have, they've almost always lost. Chargers, 49ers twice last year, Buccaneers this year, those are all those kind of defenses. Furthermore, With Devontae Adams hurting, Alan Lazard still working his way back, I'm not sure they're going to have the firepower to get deep like they're going to need to against the Colts. If MVS is the only guy out there, 
that's going to be a real problem for the passing game. Because he can get deep, but I'm not sure anybody else they have at wide receiver can get open at all. Secondly, the Packers haven't shown that they can force an offense like the Colts to make mistakes. That's where the Colts' offense is going to fall apart. If Phillip Rivers is making mistakes, their offense isn't going to go anywhere. They need to play mistake-free football to stay in games, and so far they have. And so far the Packers haven't shown that they can force guys into a lot of mistakes. The pass rush has been getting better, but the Colts' offensive line is phenomenal, and Phillip Rivers just isn't taking many sacks. Rivers not taking sacks, plus Rivers taking care of the ball, plus a defense that has not shown that it can force teams to make mistakes, seems to point towards a Colts victory. Coupled with the problems it seems like the Packers could have on offense, this just seems like a Colts win for me. A lot of people are tending to agree with me as well. Our polling is not 100% complete yet, but just over 55% of Packers voters in our weekly poll think the Packers are going to win. That is going to be a season low by a considerable margin. The previous low was 66% against the 49ers, people having a little bit of a hangover from 2019 against the 49ers. Packers were never going to lose that game. Um, But fans are not optimistic headed into this game. A win for the Packers would really be a quality win, and it would tell us a lot about how they've grown since getting handled by the Buccaneers in week six. But given the evidence so far, I'm going to side with that evidence and pick a Colts win. So I've got for you in this episode. If you enjoyed this show, I'd really appreciate it if you go ahead and share it with somebody you think would enjoy it. That's ultimately going to help us achieve our goal of getting as many people involved in this conversation we're having about the Packers as possible, which in turn is going to help us all become smarter Packers fans. Because talking together, learning together, listening together is what's going to do that. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.